if you would desire to help them, uh, we want to do that. We want to continue to do that. So if you would write on your check just a Brant or Benevolent Fund, whatever, and uh, we do want to help them any way we can, and, you know, financially. I was asked uh, several weeks back if I would have a, a New Year's sermon, which caused me to think. Now, you don't want me to think. Because <laughs> when I start thinking, I start thinking, what do we need to hear? And uh, so that's what you're going to get this morning. You're going to get Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. And let me just say, it's... 2014. I'm a little surprised we're still here as Christians. Uh, didn't the Mayan calendar end at 2013? Isn't it supposed to be all over with? But yet, hey, we're still here. I do expect our Lord to rapture his church in the fall of the year. And that's about as close as you're going to get me to naming the date. Because uh, I think the rapture will occur during the in-gathering festival, the Jewish uh, uh, festival of in-gatherings. I think that's the only festival that has not been completed. And I think the Lord will come and get his church at that time of the year. Chuck Smith, our departed founder, he would give New Year's sermons by saying, this could be the year that Jesus raptures his church. So I can't better that. I'll just say the same. This could be the year that Jesus raptures his church. <clears throat> One thing about New Year's, though, it causes us to reflect back. And that's always good if you reflect back in a, in a positive way about how you can set future goals and do that kind of thing. But I'm not a resolutions type person. I find that I break my, re uh, my resolutions rather quickly. But I am a type of person that I am constantly trying to get my ducks in a row. I I'm never quite pleased until everything is mapped out for me all the way through 2020. You know what I'm saying? I'm always trying to get everything lined up. Um, and I have observed one great truth here. The world is changing faster than I'm able to adapt to it. I'm just beginning, beginning to learn how to text or email, okay? But now we've got Facebook and Twitter, and what are these crazy things? Who cares? But anyway... But we ask, as a people, I think, as a Christian, what's, what's in store for us? Uh, where is our nation headed? Where is our culture going? It seems to be getting more and more sinful. Uh, what can I expect in the future as a believer? And I'm sorry, I can't answer any of those questions with nailed down Certainty. The only true thing I have in my life, and I have to add, the only thing I read without putting filters on my mind is God's Word. 
That's the only thing I read. Everything else is subject to, well, where's he coming from? What's his intent? What is he trying to get across here? But God's word, I can remove all the filters and just read it and absorb it. But for any of us that are beyond our teenage years and when we look back, we find things are different today compared to just a few years ago. My youngest son, who is 40, speaks of my younger days. I believe he's referring to my younger days when he references back to back, back when things were black and white. <coughs> and I think he's referring to photographs. Hopefully he is. But I clearly remember in my life, and I'm not an old, old man, I'm an older man, but I'm not, uh, you know, too far gone that I don't remember how things were when I was a young person. In junior high, I can remember in junior high, every morning at school, public school, we would say the Lord's Prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance. When I got to high school, it was once a week. Every Monday morning, we would do the Lord's Prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance. By the time I graduated from public school, all of that was dropped. So rapid change within my own life, and I'm sure it's the same for you. I've been blessed to attend church all my life. And that is a tremendous heritage uh, for me and for my kids and for my grandkids. But I was a teenager in the 60s in the hippie movement. Let me tell you something about hippies, okay? They were mostly unkept, okay? Anti-hygienic. I'm just telling you the truth. I don't care how you glamorize them. If you were there, you didn't associate with them, okay? And they were not very popular with their peers, much less the adult world at that time. But it's so easy to look back and glamorize things, uh, <clears throat> especially of the past. So this morning, I want to challenge each and every person here to take a hard look at your past year. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting over a vicious cold, but I, I'm, I'm doing so much better now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, am I progressing with the Lord? Am I moving on with the Lord? Or am I on the decline? Am I actually sliding backwards in the course the term backsliding. For years, my Christian walk was like a roller coaster. Up and down, and it never seemed to be steady. It was just always up and down. <clears throat> and today, I find myself, especially when asked to do a New Year's sermon, to look at our fellowship and observe the way it's going, what are we doing? Look at us spiritually as a body of believers. 
And many of us are financially blessed more than we've ever been financially blessed. These are the good old days for a lot of us. Most of us today live with more disposable income than we've ever had in our lives. So again, I want to challenge you to look at more than your retirement plan, look at more than your 401ks, and I really make no apology whatsoever to you for asking you, what are you doing with the income that God is blessing you with? That's the measure of our spiritual walk anyway. When we look at the body of Christ, there are many needs still unmet. We always, we want to be about supporting missions, and we do. Walk down this hallway, you'll see we're big into gospel for Asia, George and Luann, others. We, there's a church in Mexico we like to help support and this kind of thing. And we always want to be doing that. We always, always want to be about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you've attended here for any length of time, you understand I never beg or plead for money. And we will not do that today. We're not going to fall back and get our pledges in today. <coughs> Bear with me. I'm so much better than I was two days ago. <coughs> in fact, we have people that will come in here and say, well, where do I give my offering? You didn't pass the offering plate. I said, we have our little boxes in the back. Find them. <coughs> but I think it's important that we look at what are we doing with the income God has given us. And Jesus had a lot to say about our finances. I probably talked as much about our finances as he did anything. So Luke 12, we'll look at verses 15 through 21. <clears throat> and he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yield plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store up my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this night your soul is required of you. Then who will those things be which you have provided? Then this verse, So is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. One of the first things Jesus said is, Beware of covetousness. It's been said of covetousness, it is one, the one acceptable sin of America. <clears throat> but life is not about the abundance of things we possess. Back when bumper stickers were the rage and 
you could read a person's philosophy in a moment on the on their bumper. One that I really like, it kind of struck my fancy, was he who dies with the most toys wins. Okay, <laughs> that's cute. It's sort of funny. But it's completely contrary to God's word. Jesus speaks of a rich man whose land yielded plentifully. That strikes close to home because most of us here are rich, not in comparison to Jesus' day, but we are rich in comparison to the world's standard of living. Sometimes you have to visit a foreign country to understand the great benefits we have here. And we can't escape the truth that with wealth comes responsibility. As Christians, we have an obligation to be givers to those who are in need. 1 John three seventeen and 18, But whoever has the world's good and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? <clears throat> My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Okay, let me put your mind at rest. Our needs as a fellowship, they are met. We have a little money in savings. And if you decide this day to increase your giving because of this great sermon, I'm not going to benefit one way or the other. So rest your little minds on that one, <laughs> okay? <clears throat> but we have the honor... And it is an honor, and we have a privilege to support God's kingdom because he designated it to be that way. It's an honor. It's a privilege to be part of his kingdom that way. Now, I know for a truth that some of you here have the gift of giving. And I heard someone describe the gift of giving this way. It's a person who saves up money for a personal donation for a cause that they consider worthy. Saving up to give. There's one family in our fellowship who saved up $1,000, gave it to Gospel Frasia to dig a well in India where a whole village could have clean drinking water. That is the gift of giving. Can you imagine what clean drinking water means to a community? Gospel for also for under $100, you can give a family a sand filter, just a little box type that filters their water, and they have clean drinking water. Now, most of us here, including myself, do not even drink tap water. And it's clean, but it's got that chlorine taste. So, you know, I will buy good drinking water, and most of you do too. And there are numerous, numerous gifts like that that we can give that benefit those that don't have those things, and especially in third nations. 
But looking back at a rich man that Jesus spoke of in Luke, this man doesn't have enough barns or storehouses that are big enough to store all of his goods. So he tears down his old barns, builds bigger ones that are large enough to hold all of his wealth. And when we consider where we are in today's world, and I'm speaking of our wealth, most of us have much more money than we ever thought we would have right today. And there's nothing wrong with having money. Just be grateful. Be thankful that God has blessed you that way. But consider your net worth for a moment. And how are you handling that wealth? By the way, God will require that we give an account for that. But you've got to be careful not to take the next step that the rich man took. <clears throat> the rich man said to his soul, you have many goods or you have much money laid up. And laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And then the conclusion by Jesus. He said, you fool. How strong could Jesus be? You fool. This night your soul is required of you, and whose will those things be which you have provided or worked for? And that is a great question by our Lord. The next verse is the application. And truth without application is empty. Jesus said, you also. Uh Uh-oh. And who is Jesus talking to there? He's talking to believers. You also are a fool if you lay up treasures for yourself and are not rich towards God. That's some of the strongest words in all of Scripture. And Jesus said it to believers. You are a fool if you do not lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Now, there's a tendency by all of us to think, well, that isn't me. And I honestly hope it isn't. But I do know this, and I do understand this that we need to look carefully at how we're spending our money. We need to look and see. We even need to rethink, where is our treasure? When we realize God controls all the funds that pass through my hands, he really does. Becoming a cheerful giver should be a natural response. And for a lot of people, that is, and that is good. In my life, I have come to understand I cannot outgive God. I can't do it. I've come to understand, too, don't give unless you can do it cheerfully. If you don't have the right attitude about giving, keep it. <laughs> you know, it does you no good. But here we are. 
we're gathered together, a small body of believers, it's 2014, and God has called us together as his people, as a church. And this passage in 1 John 3, 17 and 18, it tells us <clears throat> the body of Christ is to take care of the body of Christ. I have a responsibility. If I see a need, I am to let you know about it. And I do that. And I have to say that you respond in a generous way, and that pleases my heart. But I also feel that as pastor here, along with our church board, it is our responsibility to run a tight ship. I believe wasting money is a sin. I really do. When Jesus fed the 5,000, what did he have the disciples do? He had her gather up the food that wasn't eaten. No waste. Our Lord is not into waste. <clears throat> so we try to do things here that are needed to be done in what I call the most economical way. So I want to thank all who worked diligently on painting the church last August. That was a big expense we faced, and you gave your time and you gave your effort. So I thank you for being willing to do that. We've been here seven to eight years. We've paid down on our mortgage. Uh, and we're a, a little bit ahead on our mortgage payments. But I would love to see this place paid off where we could take the money that comes in and do God's work with it. But that's one of my pet peeves. And God will make sure that that's done in his time. <clears throat> There's things I'd like to do here for as upgrades go, like carpet and those beautiful chairs you're sitting in. <laughs> Don't complain. Anyway. You know, we could use some new playground equipment. There are a lot of things we could do. There's a lot of opportunities here as a body of believers. We have opportunities to help one another. We have opportunities to improve our piece of property or whatever. We have opportunities to invest in God's kingdom and in our text, when Jesus called the rich man a fool, he was a fool because he only worked for himself and only saved for himself. This man did not consider God's kingdom important enough for him to invest in. The rich man was not willing to lay up treasures in heaven. So what is a treasure? It's anything worthy of the effort of planning ahead for. That is what a treasure is. It's anything that you look out there and see, well, that deserves for me to plan for it and work for it. That is a treasure. Jesus is telling us, his people, consider your future. Think eternally. And his words are very strong. 
So when Jesus said, so is he, referring to the man who was a fool, so is he any person who does not consider the future. That person is a fool who does not lay up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. That's a strong statement and is directed at us, God's people. Scripture doesn't use the word fool too often. In Psalms it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. <clears throat> and I don't like being characterized as a fool. Uh, I hate being scammed. I hate to think that I'm not street wise and, you know, whatever, probably pride, but anyway. Um, but I do believe God is God. And I do consider unbelievers foolish. But here's the question. But am I laying up treasures in heaven? The, the fact that we can have treasures in heavens, I think is perhaps one of the greatest overlooked blessings for any believer. God does not need our money. He is not broke. I don't care how many TV evangelists tell you that he is. He is not broke. We are allowed to support his kingdom. But it is us, his people, who reap the eternal benefits by doing what? By simply being a cheerful giver. Jesus told us, don't be foolish about this truth. So I challenge each and every one here. Let 2014 be a year where you lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father, I want to thank you, first of all, for the blessed life that you allow me to live and for the blessed life you allow your people to live <clears throat> we never want to take it for granted your blessings upon us Lord and you bless us in so many ways and Lord if we want to in turn bless others we want to take care of the body of Christ we want to take care of those that are hurting those that are in need and Lord uh, many times we do that through finances. So, first of all, show us the needs and give us that heart to meet those needs, Lord. We pray for this kind of thing. We do want to lay up treasures for ourselves that rust and moth can't destroy. So help us to get an eternal perspective, Lord. We are allowed to be part of your kingdom in this way. So we thank you for it. Go before us, Lord. Thank you for meeting our needs. And we ask that we would just have a heart that desires to meet the needs of those around us. And we pray for this in your name, Jesus. Amen.